A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Hero can be anyone, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. Hey, Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day. Welcome to Screen Perspectives, a podcast produced by the Pittsburgh Film Office to share how people build successful careers in the screen industry, be it film, TV, streaming, etc. Screen Perspectives was born out of many conversations with industry professionals, sometimes over dinner, sometimes over drinks, and a lot of times driving around looking at the wonderful diversity of locations in southwestern Pennsylvania. Thousands of people make their living in the screen industry, which nationally tops $28 billion a year. Locally, the screen industry is responsible for over $150 million in new money to the southwestern Pennsylvania region's economy. There really is no direct pathway to success in this industry. It's a lot of hard work, networking, and you have to sprinkle in a little bit of luck to be successful. The Pittsburgh Film Office is excited to share these amazing individual stories with you so you can learn how they did it and determine your best path forward. Screen Perspectives is hosted by me, Dawn Kieser, director of the Pittsburgh Film Office, and the incredible Kevin Smith, screenwriter extraordinaire, screenwriting instructor, and driving force of the broadcast program at the University of Pittsburgh. Thank you for joining us. Our guest on today's podcast is a network executive and independent producer. He has overseen the development and production of some of the most honored scripted films, many series, and drama series for broadcast, cable, and streaming television services. Vlad Walnitz's projects have collectively been recognized with over 200 Emmy Award nominations, multiple Golden Globes, and three Peabody Awards. Vlad began his career at the age of 20 working for D'Antoni Productions under the tutelage of Philip D'Antoni, the Academy Award-winning producer of The French Connection, and cut his teeth on independent films Smoke, Blue in the Face, and Joe's Apartment. Vlad joined AMC initially as a development executive, producing their first original scripted series, Remember When, and The Lot. He was eventually named AMC's head of production, and in that role, directly oversaw the development, production, and launching of Broken Trail, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead, The Killing, Rubicon, and numerous other series and originals for the network, founding AMC Studios in 2009. He departed AMC to become the head of production for BBC Worldwide, producing multiple series for their domestic and international services, including Torchwood and Copper. In 2014, he signed an overall production deal with Paramount, which led to a number of series and telefilms, including The Mist and Waco. Vlad is currently the vice president of production for 101 Studios, overseeing the dramas George and Tammy and The Mayor of Kingstown, filmed right here in Pittsburgh. We're thrilled to welcome Vlad Wilnitz to the show today, and we're glad you're here to listen. Thanks. Of all the characters, which one do you see yourself as being? Oh, I, oh, I, uh, um, ooh. uh, what a strange question. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that it, Matt, Matt wrote a character for me that I was supposed to play and I didn't get on the plane in time. I was supposed to play a, <laughs> a, a, a beatnik hippie poet. <laughs> in a beat bar and and I, I i'm deeply regretful that i didn't i didn't do it you know that was that was one that i i really so so i, so I guess that's how matt saw me uh um 
And in, in Breaking Bad, I don't know. I, I, the, the character Bogdan is named after me. He's, his last name is Walnuts. And, and mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's the guy who owns the car wash. You know, who, oh, yeah. The actor who played him actually was a physicist. It's a really interesting story. <laughs> he's quite, quite a brilliant <laughs> man. Yeah, he's quite a brilliant man. You know? uh, <laughs> um, but um, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know that I look at it that way. I, I, I know that there's things that I have said in passing that have wound up as dialogue in shows mm-hmm. occasionally. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a character. And if there is a character based on me, I'd rather not know. I'd rather not. Really <laughs> not I, I, it'll probably be somebody like you know somebody really unflattering. So I don't. <laughs> so <laughs> so you're not going to be Gus, is what you're yeah. saying, right? <laughs> no. And it's already, you know, the last thing I need to hear is, is like, well, well, you know, it's it's really Christina Hendricks' character that you're based on. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, I just no, I love know. that you missed the flight to go make your you know TV debut and yeah, Breaking was, Bad. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I I missed the flight because there was something going on in Breaking Bad, which was. um it's a long story. Our, our, our Mike Slovis, who was our DP, and he started on the third season, was was got into trouble with Sony because he was using filters over the lens, and they had some kind of problem. So, anyway, I was bit, I was bit, and and of course, it's the most beautiful cinematography you've ever seen on television. So the idea that I had to spend three days arguing about that as opposed to going off and, and reading beat poetry on on, on that it's very, it's very depressing. Yeah. But yeah. the DP doesn't get to make that choice. Sony really thought they should come in and tell a DP what to do on a show. Well, they never did it again. And Mike is 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 one of the best ever. You know, I mean, he's 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 a legend and a wonderful man. But but it was it was it was it was a typical bureaucratic thing. It was um, I guess they had a handbook because why wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> where, where someone determined that you should never put filters over thirty five millimeter negative so they can have maximum latitude in post production. And you oh. know, the only problem with that, of course, is whatever Mike did. It looked amazing on the net. Yes. So, so like you know, it, it was one of those. It, it was one of those like prosecute them on a point that has absolutely no bearing on reality or, or relevance yeah. in the on the thing. So so it, it was it was a tempest in a teacup ultimately. But the idea that the idea that there was a conference call and that they're all I mean the the the, the, the way the, the corporate universe you know manages things that are not a problem I find. You know, if only Billy Wilder or, or Patty Chasky were alive to write that film today, the, 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 the <laughs> material Wilde. they would have is extraordinary. You know? So, and there's always like one person in every company who's making sense and who's trying to like, oh, can we just not do this and just get to the point? And they're always the one who shot it down, you know, early because you know process matters more than substance in some of these cases. It's ridiculous. You know, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny because you just mentioned a second ago about how they didn't have commercials, and we're watching the Super Bowl. And here is something as iconic as as Breaking Bad has a commercial. They had to bring they brought Brian Cranston back, yep, and, yep. and they brought uh, what Giancarlo Esposito back. Like they brought these people back. Yo, these are the bomb. And they're air popped, not fried. Popcorners. You're an artist. Actually, Jesse, it's just basic ingredients. No, we don't eat our own supply. Mr. Wife. Jesse. Everyone's gonna want to taste, and I know just the guy to talk to. For something so iconic, isn't that? How did you feel when you see that come that full circle? It, you know, it, 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 I have very mixed feelings about it. It's great for them, and I'm, I'm still in touch with quite a few of them. Brian and I talk all the time, and I, I, I it, it's fun and it's funny. I, I always worry a little bit about parody, you know. And you know, I, I was talking to a, a young kid earlier this week about. I don't know how we got on the subject, but U2, and U2 was this incredibly emotional band when I was 14, 15, and they, you know, these, these songs would make your heart pound against your chest. And I guess they've done a new album where they re-recorded all those old, wonderful songs and made them really lame, you know? And and 
and this kid's point was kind of like, well, yeah, they were kind of always lame. It's like, actually, they were not, you know, and, and I really worry about the trajectory of when you begin to, mm-hmm. to, to parody too much. And, and is, is there a day when these shows look, look quaint and antiquated? I hope not. I hope not. I, I think, I think in Mad Men's case, it's, it's probably spared because it's period. Mm-hmm. You know, when you set something in period, it's always kind of in that, in that mm-hmm. moment. So hopefully that'll, that'll, that'll last longer from a, from an analytical point of view. Um, mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, I think, is great fun. The only, my, the only, the only regret I have about Breaking Bad is that there are quite a few people in the audience who didn't understand that Walt was the bad guy, you know. And and I've talked to quite a few people on the show who are all kind of horrified by the by the misunderstanding on the part of some in the audience that yeah. he's not, he's so not the hero. If you're if you're trying to be Walter White, you've got it all wrong, buddy. If you believe that there's a hell, I don't know if you're into that, but we're we're already pretty much going there, right? But I'm not going to lie down until I get there. So who was the hero? Oh, what a great question! You'd have to ask Vince. I, I think he would say Hank, probably. You know, uh, um, if not heroic, certainly he was the he was the stalwart, right? He was. Yeah. The thing about Hank's character is that right from the first episode, he's a loudmouth, he's boorish, he's a nightmare of a brother-in-law. He's a great cop. Mm-hmm. He's a great cop, you know, and he's never not a great cop throughout the entire show, even when things go wrong for him, you know, and they go wrong for him for the right reasons, if you know what I mean. And and, um, and his his end scene is is you know I think. I think the best single piece of acting in the in the series, personally. But, oh wow! Wow, yeah. that's saying something. Yeah, and that's yeah. saying a lot. I mean, I, I th- there's things that Anna did that were extraordinary. I mean, th- th- it's not it's not a competition, but but his end scene really, it was set up from the very first episode, and it pays off perfectly in the end. It's the only way it could have gone. We talk a lot about this industry being relationship based, which is mm-hmm. what you just said. So, what do you think these new, young, excited people who want to be in the industry? How do they start building those relationships? I get this question all the time. Like, do I need to go to LA? I tell them they can stay right here in Pittsburgh and go to work because we have work here and they can start making those relationships and they can start making those connections with the people they meet. And then they all end up in LA. They like to go. I don't have a problem with that. Um, they always end up wanting to come home. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think, I think it specifically depends on what, what you're trying to, to, to do. I, I think it's always better at the beginning to be a, a big fish in a small pond. I, th- I think that, you know, being local, if you're in Ohio, if you're, if you're, if you're in Pittsburgh, if you're in Chicago, if you're, if you're, if you're in Texas, if you're in Austin, if you're in one of those places that has a, a relatively uh, um, mild to robust film and television business, it's better to get in there and get your feet wet there where you're not on public display, where you're not, you haven't committed to, you know, to the big LA move and, and LA is easy to get lost in. You know, I think, I think, you ha- I think just the odds are better for you to make those pivotal relationships. I mean, if you, if, if you get along with the executive producer or the creator or director on a show and, and they want you to come to LA to work on their next thing, that's kind of the ideal career path step right go go in with a job don't go in looking for a job is, is probably the best way to, to think of la um however there's a big caveat to that if you want to be a writer you know um i'd give very different advice i think i think it's really important to get out there where the rooms are and try to get you know assistant work in the writer's room and and, and go that route as, as as completely as you can and in as committed a fashion as you can and um, to make relationships with the writers, right? Like yeah, you're you gonna, it's to. still back to the relationships. You just got to find the right group of people that you want to work with, right? Personally, my favorite chase scene, which I think is the greatest ever, is Bullet, um, which is remarkable with Steve McQueen. You know that. Yeah, of course, I'm telling you about this, right? But um, I started thinking about that, and he was your mentor. So my question, what is the most important lesson that Philip gave you? 
Well, I, I worked much more with his son, Chris, and, and, and by extension, you know, I, I think a lot of the advice I got from, from through Chris was, was sort of the, the advice you would only get from a parent that most people aren't allowed to hear, you know, and <laughs> uh, Chris and Jim were his sons who, who, who had been set up by him to, to do some stuff on TV at the time. And they're both great guys. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I think the thing that I remember vividly was, was you think, you know, but you don't, you know, hearing that when you're young really hurts. But it's really, really true, you know, and, and, and all it is, is it, give it a beat until you see a little bit more. I mean, the, the wonderful thing about youth is resilience. The, the danger with youth is, 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 the, is, is being overly impetuous and like you get too far ahead of your skis. And, and that's what I meant about mentorship. You know, when, when somebody who, who has that kind of gravitas or his sons who are really very aware because they grew up around him. I mean, I think his son, Jim, broke Roy Scheider's nose in a pickup game of basketball on the set of Seven Ups. <laughs> So can you imagine going home that night? You know, it's just sort of like that's that's those are his stories to tell. Amazing <laughs> there goes the lead. I mean, seriously, I mean, with the, you know, what are we filming the next three days? You know, so uh, um, the back of his head. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Yeah, sort of like I've never heard of a nose double before. But anyway, uh, uh, but 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 that's the thing. It it it, it is it is very much a, a you, you never know it all. You know, I mean, I think I think a certain amount of so it's an ironic thing to say about people in show business, but a little humility goes a really long way. You just don't, you just don't bump into it very frequently. And, and, I, and, and I, and I think that when you do though, when you work with a Mark Johnson or, or some, some, or, or, you know, people of that, of that stature and generation, uh, Gail and her, there's a kind of a, there's a self-awareness that they have that is exactly the reason why they are who they are and why they're so good at what they do and, and why they're the kind of the, the peak of the industry, because they don't, they don't get emotionally rattled about things. In fact, there's almost a, there's almost a stoic kind of analytical quality that they have to the problems of problem. Crisis management is best managed without actually causing another crisis by panicking, you know? So it, it, it it's kind of wisdom that I think, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's fading, but, but I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing it pop up in the next generation or two. I, I think that it needs to emerge if we're ever going to get this business back into some kind of, um, coherent order because uh, because it's, it's so fragmented right now as you guys know it, it there's lots of opportunity but but it, it really is quite scary from a from a rate of return and, and and long-term you know prognosis basis right so i mean i'm a big believer in mentorship i mean i, I don't know how anybody gets gets out of that post-adolescent phase and into the adult phase of, of anything much less this business without have somebody hopefully several people really giving you very straight, honest, and, 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 and critical advice about, about what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, what, where the business is heading, you know, and just, you, you need some protecting. I mean, you know, the, the number of people I, I started with in this business who are now running a hardware store or, or, or doing something else, and they're all very happy in another life, but a lot of them wash out really fast because they just didn't have anybody explain reality to them. And, and when it hit them, uh, unprepared, it, it kind of wiped them out. You know, it is—it is not an easy business to to abide, especially in the early days. So. You've been listening to episode six of Screen Perspectives. Screen Perspectives is hosted by Don Keyser and Kevin Smith, produced and engineered by Max Glider, Isaiah Stewart, and Jennifer Booker. Music by Isaiah Stewart. Special thanks to today's guest, Vlad Wolinitz the Pittsburgh Film Office, and to the University of Pittsburgh. Screen Perspectives is a production of the Pittsburgh Film Office. Screen Perspectives can be found anywhere and everywhere 
Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you find your favorite podcast. This will make sure you won't miss an episode.